right, here we go with part two of Staying Steadfast. Um, I hope that you are having a great week so far and you are staying steadfast at the thing that God's put in front of you today. First, I'm going to share a little bit. Uh, We're going to talk about the devil a little bit today. Not too much, but we're going to talk about the devil and who he is and what he does to try to move us, to try to change our attitudes, to try to change our aims, and what we can do uh, to resist him, to overcome him. And man, you know, that's I've got a book sitting on my desk right now called Satan and His Kingdom, uh, What the Bible Says and How It Matters to You by Dennis McCallum. I must have read it years ago. It is full of highlights, and I just pulled it off my shelf and started glancing through it. I don't know, you know, this is just, didn't even plan on going in this direction, but as I did my devotions this morning, I, I read this passage from 1 Peter, uh, in 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be power forever and ever. Amen. I read that this morning. I was, you know, where it says that we're to resist him, stand firm in the in the faith. The King James Version says, stay steadfast. And uh, I, I just popped into my mind this morning. And actually, I think I did a Bible search on the word steadfast to see where it appeared. And that popped up. And it reminded me of the day I had yesterday. Um, I firmly believe there is always satanic opposition uh, to the forwarding of the kingdom of God. Of course, there should be. Um, that's just the, the way that things are going to happen. And I don't know all the whys. I just know it is real. And throughout my life, I have seen Satan interfere with what God was trying to do in our lives. And so as I, well, let me back up just a little bit before I get into uh, this too deeply and talk about the fact that I believe God wants us to be successful. I believe God wants us to prosper at what we put our hands to. And that doesn't mean that we all are healthy, wealthy, and got big giant houses and nice cars. No, true success is, to me, here's what true success means. I kind of wrote this out this morning as a definition for me. It means to have a sense of maximizing my potential, putting all my skills, abilities, experiences, and opportunities to work and seeing God confirm my steps as I take them. That is success. And and the word prosper, even in that famous scripture where I think it's in 3 John, you know, that uh, God wants you to uh, prosper and be in health, uh, it means to have a successful journey. Um, and, and so to me, that's what success is, is that I'm, I'm maximizing my potential. There's no worse feeling than realizing um, that there's more in me and it's not getting used. I want to unpack that. You know, people say I want to die empty. You know, I want to unpack all that God's put in me. I hate buying equipment, for example, whether it's music equipment or other equipment, and, and it just sits on a shelf and it doesn't get used. 
I love when all the things come together and they're all kind of being formed into a weapon that brings success and prosperity in our lives and the forwarding of the kingdom of God in some way. And so <clears throat> that being success, the enemy of our souls is always trying to destroy that. He's always trying to limit our potential. If he can't get you to renounce God, his next step is to gobble up your potential to impact anybody else by when you maximize your potential to forward the kingdom of God. His goal is to stop you, to, to thwart you in some way. And uh, just like the best football team on the field, interceptions get thrown, fumbles happen. You know, uh, one game the other day had a block punt that was the determination in the whole game. So we are going to suffer setbacks. There are going to be times when we let our guard down for whatever reason. Or I don't, you know, read the first chapter of Job. God allowed Satan access to Job so that Job's faith could be tested and and Job passed the test. I, I don't completely understand all that. I just know it's in the Bible and it can happen. And so the enemy does not want us to be successful. He'll do everything he can to keep us from achieving our maximum potential for God. On the other hand, the Bible tells us, stay steadfast. All right, be immovable. That's what that word means, to be well stationed. I looked up the uh, Oxford Learner's Dictionary uh, definition of steadfast this morning. It says, not changing in your attitudes or aims. And when the word says that we're to be abounding, this was the scripture I used the other day, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, therefore, my brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the labor, um, that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. That word abounding means to exceed, to go beyond the expected measure, above and beyond. You know, that means that we are to we can overperform by the power that is in us. We can go over and above anything that we could do in our own strength because we have an anointing from the Holy One. It tells us in 1 John 2.20, we can accomplish things far beyond our own skills and abilities, but the enemy is always trying to thwart that. And there are two, now there are two extremes when we talk about the satanic, and we talk about the devil. You know, first off, there is a religion out there called Satanism, and and they, you know, we don't worship the devil. Uh, they ascribe to um, a famous quote by or philosophy by Aleister Crowley, who was a very wicked man, and uh, his his theme was "Do as thou wilt." Do your own thing. Follow your flesh. Do whatever your desire uh, prompts you to do. And the, the Satanist would say, well, you know, as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. Well, you can't just do whatever your flesh wants to do and not hurt someone else eventually. And so when they say we don't worship a being the devil, they are blind and ignorant. Of course you do. Of course you do. You empower um Satan by going out and doing whatever you want and spreading sinful behavior um, all over it. And you do impact people through sin, doing your own thing. But, oh man, I'm going off. I, this requires a lot of deep study for sure. And I'm going to reread my book, Satan and His Kingdom. And I've got another book on that topic uh, from authors that I respect. 
But the two extremes that we can go to, let me read what uh, McCallum says. He says, arguably next to God, Satan is the most important being to learn about. I agree with that. Uh, When we say God, we mean, of course, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But when we're talking about beings, know your foe. So he says, arguably, next to God, Satan is the most important being to learn about. Believers need accurate, balanced, biblical information on Satan, not exaggeration. Exaggerated or distorted versions of spiritual warfare have created suspicion on the whole subject. At the other extreme, there is deafening silence on this subject from many evangelical leaders today. Two extremes. Uh, The one extreme is that the devil is in everything. My car breaks down, the devil did it. No, you just didn't check the oil and you blew your motor up, you know? And so we... We, we, we need to discern, okay? Satan is active. He is coming at us. He has been studying you your whole life, watching your habits, seeing where your weaknesses are, and he is looking for an inroad to come in and thwart your efforts to be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord. So one extreme, Satan's in everything. The other extreme, we ignore him. He's just this funny creature with a, you know, uh, uh, pointy thorns and or or, yeah, horns on his head. He's just this funny character, the devil. Ooh, no, no, no. He is a real. Here's what I know: the Bible teaches. Satan is a real being. He was cast from heaven for rebelling against God, and a third of the angels went with him. We refer to those as demons. He hates God. He hates the children of God. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And as I said, if he can't get you to renounce God, his next goal is to destroy your potential, to keep you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. The Bible describes him as an angel of light. He's not some big monster. He's an angel. He has been studying us all of our lives, looking for ways to trip us up. As I mentioned, God allows him access from time to time. I don't understand all that. I just know that's what happened to Job. One of his chief means of attacking believers is through accusation. Revelation 7, verse 10 uh, through through 12. Let me read it. Therefore I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in the earth. But woe to the earth and the See, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. That's another thing I know about the devil. His time is short. But he is an accuser of the brethren. It says he accuses them before God night and day. That's what he did to Job. Listen, accusation, sometimes accusation can come from our lips to our ears. When we say, I'm not good enough, I suck, I'll never be able to accomplish this, I'm such a failure, we are aligning ourselves with the devil. Accusation leads to feelings of condemnation and eventually a denying of the grace that God 
has given us through Christ on the cross. Accusation, when it's accepted as truth, leads believers to having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. That's what Paul said. Timoth- told Timothy about certain believers in the last days. They may go to church. They may go through the motions. They may say they believe in God, but they're not walking in the power of God, overcoming the enemy. They fail to walk in their anointing to maximize their potential. They settle. They're not moving and advancing the kingdom of God with their lives. And, you know, to advance the kingdom of God, wherever you go, the kingdom of God goes. So that doesn't mean we strap on the armor of God and we walk out on the street corner with the the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God, and just start preaching in everybody's faces. No, when you, uh, maybe you've got a boss at your job, for example. Now, I'm not going to say, I believe that people can be demon-possessed, okay? There's no doubt about that. Maybe for a moment even, um, you know, I've, I've seen it. I mean, I look, as a police officer, I sat across the table as a detective with people that seemed like the most normal person you'd ever want to meet. Yet they had just committed the most heinous act imaginable. Now, they were, I believe, either uh, demonically influenced or demon-possessed. I believe that. Okay, what caused them for a moment? You know, they did not have spiritual armor to protect themselves. And something came in and steered their actions only for a moment. And it destroyed their lives and it limited their potential. And and these people may eventually come to Jesus and Satan can use them right where they're at. That's what we preach to inmates all the time. But look at, at what look at the blow he delivered. And so I believe that people can be uh, demon possessed or and or demonically influenced. I believe that even we as believers can be demonically influenced if we let our guard down. Now, uh, we know this also from the Word of God. In the book of Daniel, and I, I won't, maybe I'll go there, maybe I'll do another another, uh, another uh, episode kind of going a little deeper into this, this topic. Okay, our goal here is to stay steadfast, immovable, you know, always abounding in the work of the Lord, whatever that thing is that God gave us to do. Oh, here's where I was going about working for a boss. You know, my wife worked for a boss, and I'll tell you what, I, I wouldn't say she was um, demon-possessed, but she was certainly demonic in the way that she acted toward my wife. My wife had a ton of people that loved her being there. They knew she was a pastor's wife uh, working at a at a upscale department store, but the manager of this store just, just harassed my wife, did the most terrible things, talked behind her back, did everything she could to get my wife to quit that job, but my wife held fast. She stayed steadfast until the time was right when we launched Life on the Verge and, and it was just like a dovetail. When, when she finally left that job, everyone saw her enduring the persecution that this boss was launching at her. You know, they, they saw what she was enduring, what she was going through. And to this day, 11 years later, my wife still has an inroad to talk to those people, to encourage those people that follow her on social media. And so uh, back to... Um, the enemy uh, using people, uh, demonic, well, it can be demonic. You know, the boy that killed my brother, for example, I won't go into detail on that, but I have to believe, you know, I, I tell inmates all the time, excuse me, I was bending down. I tell inmates all the time that, um, that uh, you know, 
when you use drugs, for example, when a person, when the, the enemy of our souls, and look, in my own case, I said I would never smoke pot. I'd never smoke cigarettes. I'd never drink at 12 years old. At 13, I was tempted to smoke pot. The first time I turned it down, even though my friends blew it in my face and everything. But little by little, under the influence of these people, even though I was raised in church, even though I knew better, I began to smoke pot. I began to fall in with that lifestyle. That led to using other drugs, LSD and quaaludes and really anything that you could swallow or snort. Um, I believe that if the Lord had not rescued me, I probably would have put a needle in my arm. Even though I can't imagine that happening, I couldn't imagine myself doing the other things. But Satan walked me down this path. Let me tell you what happens when you fall under the influence of drugs, where that can lead. You, You can't imagine the number of inmates that I have Um, dealt with that they're in prison for something they did when they were under the influence of drugs and or excessive alcohol. Um, The word uh, witchcraft in the Bible, in the New Testament, is translated, it's it's the Greek word pharmakia. It's where we get um, pharmacy, you know, and the word pharmacy, drugs, and a whole bit. So I believe that when we submit ourselves, we use illicit drugs, we we put ourselves under a spell, and we are apt to do things we never would have done if we had not been under that spell. And so, man, I'm going all over the place. I believe people can be demon-possessed, as I believe that the young man that murdered my brother who was under the influence of drugs, I absolutely believe that, look, I cried at that man's trial because he was only 19 years old and he needed to go to prison for his actions, but his life was destroyed. I mean, can God still use him where he's at? I believe that, but look, at 19, sentenced to life without parole. It's heartbreaking. And uh, of course, I know my brother's in heaven, but it's heartbreaking. And so... We know that people can be demonic, uh, influenced, or demon-possessed. We know that there is a war in the heavenlies. In the book of Daniel, it talks about Daniel had gone into a fast and was praying for interpretation of a vision, and 21 days went by, and finally the archangel Michael showed up and said, God heard you the first day that you prayed, but I've been at war in the heavenlies. That there, I, I don't understand all that, but you know, there is a, you know, the, the, we talk about the kingdom of light. We talk about Jesus being the light of the world, we being the light of the world. I had a friend, his name is Chuck, and if, he, if you're listening, Chuck, uh, not Chuck that also goes by Doug, another Chuck, uh, because I know I've got another Chuck that listens. Um, he was he's a wild character. Matter of fact, his nickname is the priest from Mars. He, he he was always digging out these obscure passages of scripture. And he came to me one day and he said, "You know, I believe that the reason that we can't see the angels, the reasons we can't see demons, is because they move faster than the speed of light." Think about that. That's pretty wild. I don't know. Anyway, that's that's deeper than I wanted to go, but. They exist. They are real. You know, when uh, when I worked as a police officer on the streets, especially when I was in forensics, because I worked citywide and I responded to you know all sorts of crimes to process crime scenes, and we would go, you know, weeks or months without say a, a child molestation. Then suddenly there'd be, you know, five in in over three days all over the city, diff- not related. 
there'd be a couple of weeks and there'd be no rapes, and then boom, there'd be three rapes in a day. You know, um, there'd be no murders, and then there'd be a wave of murders. And I, you know, in those days, man, I was pretty spiritually tuned to the demonic activity in the world because I was seeing it every day. It was so heinous. And how much the, I could see how much the devil hates the children of God. He hates mankind, period. And, uh, and so I had this sense that there was demonic activity happening in waves like that. Now, I don't know. And again, let's not get too weird about it, but let's do what Peter said. This is how we can stay steadfast and immovable and abounding in the work of the Lord um, despite the adversary. He told us to be sober and alert. That's the first way. We need to be aware. Be aware. Don't, you know, don't make it the you know, constant theme of your thought life. There's a devil everywhere, but we're aware that he is there and the Holy Spirit is in us and he will let us know, hey, this is demonic. You know, yesterday I had a down and out day. Um, I accomplished so much. Um, It was a very productive day, but there was a constant pressure, things coming against my attitude, you know, and so I was just trugging through the day, but I got a lot done. But my attitude, I just felt this pressure all day. And I really felt that it was a, a we're about to buy a truck, by the way. <coughs> Today, I'll wire the money to have that thing sent to us. You folks that gave to it, God bless you. You are helping us continue to penetrate the kingdom of darkness and bring the marvelous light into prisons. And you gave, man, above and beyond what we expected. And we found what we believe to be the perfect truck. And I've been working with this dealer. And yesterday I called him because I had a couple of questions. And uh, I wanted to wire the money yesterday. And he didn't call me back. And I thought, oh, great. Now I've already signed this kind of pre-contract kind of thing. Oh, great. So I'm not even a priority anymore. This is the way it's going to be. And all these crazy thoughts were going on. I was getting everything done I needed to get done. I got my workout done. I got a lot of ministry work done, administrative work done, but I was frustrated all day because this guy didn't call me back. I was so mad So because I, I was hoping to wire the money before five o'clock yesterday and get this thing underway. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was about six o'clock and I, I said, great, well, forget it now, you know. So I finally, I text the guy I said, I was hoping to receive a call back today. I was going to wire the money. Please call me in the morning. So I got a couple of other questions. And the guy immediately texted me back. He said, oh, I'm sorry. I did call you back uh, shortly shortly after. You can call me anytime, man. And I looked at my phone, and sure enough, that guy had called me back 20 minutes after I called him, and I missed the call. For some reason, I didn't see it. Now, I'm not going to give the devil too much credit. But let's just, I don't know, man, like gremlins sometimes working in there. But it kept this frustration, this bad attitude on me all day long. And so I was aware of that. I was aware. Okay, this could be. I don't know that it is, but it could be demonic oppression coming in to frustrate me. I'm going to keep pressing on, and I'm going to keep abounding in the work of the Lord despite it. You know, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, uh, he said, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what 
I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Excuse me. (coughs) We're not unaware of his schemes. In this case, the scheme was to get Paul to not forgive someone. That's a scheme of the devil. He's got many schemes to come in and try to distract us and keep us from abounding in the work of the Lord. But we are not unaware of his schemes. We've got to stay aware. You know, one of his schemes is to redefine sin and to, you know, keep you from living a holy life. We all sin. We're all going to stumble. We're all going to going to fall. And thank God we're not saved by our inability to not sin. We're saved because we believe that Jesus paid for our sins on the cross. However, sin will tarnish our conscience. Sin will get us off our game. It will cause feelings of uh, inadequacy and condemnation to come in and guilt and shame. And we'll have to fight those off and the devil knows it. So he tries to get us to sin. He tempts us. And the Bible gives us plenty weapons against temptation. Temptation is not a sin. Giving in to sinful temptation is a sin. Committing that act, right? And so we're to be at war with sin on a regular basis. So we're not unaware. We're to stay aware. That's the first way that we stay steadfast and uh, abounding in the work of the Lord in the context of this podcast. The second way is that we stay spiritually fit. Listen, there is no off-season. A lot of NFL players are getting ready to go into their off-season, aren't they? And they'll still work out, but they'll have it a little easy. The pressure's not on. There is no off-season for us as believers. In the spiritual life, we are always in season. We're to stay full of the Word, full of the Holy Spirit, plain and simple. We're to be constantly uh, renewing our mind through the Word of God, through uh, preaching of the Word, through things like this podcast, through things that reinforce. Look, we leak, okay? We, we the, Peter wrote, I forget if it was first or second Peter, but I remember um, he wrote two, at least, I think three times in one of his epistles, I write these things to remind you. We quickly forget the principles of God. We quickly forget what God said, and that's where Satan finds an inroad, and he he gets us off our game. And then the last way uh, that I think that we stay steadfast is that we stay connected. We're not called to go it alone. Uh, Even Peter said, he said, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. We need one another. We need to be comparing notes about how, you know, maybe, hey, man, you know, one time this happened to me and the enemy came in and, and he duped me, he got me, but I saw it. Look, in my own life, listen, I probably talked about this story before, but uh, I was on fire for the Lord in college in my early 20s and then got so consumed with college, I got disconnected from the family of believers. I stopped going to church. I didn't just stop one day. I'm not going to go to church anymore. I missed a Sunday and then I missed another Sunday and then I missed another. And little by little, before you knew it, I was I was not uh, spiritually fit, like I just said. I was I was reading my Bible and praying, but I was so focused on school and and doing. And of course, I started that in order to do something for God. But now I was I was 
just completely distracted and thinking about getting a high-paying job as opposed to I wanted to go to work for CBN. I've mentioned that before so that I could be part of the Great Commission. Now I was just thinking about getting a a high-paying engineering job. So I was making great grades, but I was not spiritually fit, and I got disconnected from the body of Christ. And there I was like the, you know, that... uh, that herd of wildebeest or or whatever that's out there and it's moving along across the plain and there's that weak one that's in back of the herd and they're stumbling along and that's the one the lion goes after. And he got me. He got me. I was weak and I remember going over to a guy's house and I drank my first beer in about three years. Now, I'm not here to condemn anybody for drinking beer, all right? But for me, it was a high-risk situation because it wasn't the drinking of beer. It was the reinduction into a lifestyle of partying. That's what what happened, is little by little, I got into a lifestyle of getting drunk, and that's where the sin happens with alcohol, right? Is that I, and, you know, I just got into that college party lifestyle, and let me tell you, you know, you wake those of you that have ever woke up with a hangover, you know, you wake up with a little bit of guilt and shame as it is. But when you know that you feel like you've laid the, the cross of Jesus to open shame after all he's done for you, you talk about it coming in like a wave. And I would just numb it again, you know, and I just stayed having fun and partying. And man, but when that condemnation came in, what was the devil doing? He was gobbling up my potential. Was I unsaved? I didn't renounce my faith in Jesus. I humbly came before him and repented every time I fell down, but I was still unconnected. That went on for years. I was disconnected from the body of Christ, and it wasn't until I made up my mind that I was going to be in church every Sunday. Now, look, going to church don't make you a Christian. We know that, okay? But you certainly can't abound in the work of the Lord and be all God wants you to be without the family of believers. And when I began to go to church, even feeling like I'm never going to get right with God again, I'm never going to feel saved again, my excuse for going to church was to take my little girl to church. I I said, she's going to remember her daddy took her to church. And so I would go and and I, I responded to the altar call for salvation and uh, I did, and then I'd stumble the next week. I'd be back the next Sunday. And this went on for a period of months. And I had a panic attack in the middle of that, ended up at the hospital. I believe, I believe that was demonic, that the enemy was doing everything he could. He knew what was on the other side of me reconnecting to the body of Christ. I didn't. I just wanted to feel saved again. But when I got connected to the body of Christ, little by little, I began to sense the grace and the forgiveness of God more and realize what the devil had been doing. And little by little, you've heard me tell the story, starting by mopping the floor after youth service in the youth room, God began to unpack my potential, which led to decades of ministry and preaching the gospel all over the place and making disciples as a youth pastor and a pastor. I didn't know all that was there but I'd got, until I got reconnected to the body of Christ. So here's my admonition to you. To stay steadfast, stay aware of the enemy. Don't be ignorant of his schemes. Resist him. Stay fit. There is no off-season. Stay full of the Word of God and full of the Holy Spirit. Keep your mind renewed and stay connected 
to the body of Christ. Hope that helps. We'll get back on this for one more episode next week. God bless you. Sometimes falling angels fly I want to remind you that we're a completely donor-funded ministry. You can learn more about Life on the Verge at lifeontheverge.com. You can hear more of our music at theplunders.com or on any streaming service.